0: Let us pray. Father, speak to us in the stillness, and while every other voice is hushed, in silence we wait on you, in Jesus' name, amen. The king is seated on his throne. He's the king of a large empire, a huge domain. All is at peace, there is calm, there is loyalty, there is unity throughout his kingdom, except for one small part of his domain that has rebelled, been disloyal, seceded, declared their independence, pulled off a coup and lowered the flag. We no longer want to be part of the Commonwealth. We are a separate republic. What's the king going to do? Will he declare war? Will he meet on the battlefield? Will he launch a missile attack? He will not use any of the weapons of the enemy. And sitting on his throne he takes hold of a scroll. A book that has to do with the will, the future of the rebel kingdom. It's a book of inheritance, it's a book that has to do with redemption the future of the rebel kingdom so there's a search there's a search to find the executor of the will he alone can dispense the will when you read with me revelation chapter 5 beginning at verse 1 revelation chapter 5 and beginning at verse 1 going through to verse 4 And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found. Who is worthy to open the scroll to look inside? Who is worthy? Is the question that goes out. Who has the right, in other words? Who is entitled? Who has the stature? Who has the weight to clear the name of the king? To show that the power of love is indeed greater than the love of power. Who is worthy? Everyone in the kingdom is silent. The universe is breathless. Hearts are pounding. There's high feeling, there is fear, there is dread, there is universal search. Heaven and earth and under the earth and under the sea. And it says John wept, not in sentimental tear flow. The tears were burning tears because John knew the significance of the book that needed to be unsealed. The book had to do with the destiny of the planet. The plan to retrieve and oust the rebel government and putting the correct flag back on the pole again. John was aware of the destiny. A destiny where there's no more Patmos, where there's no more crucifixion, where there's no more beheading of John the Baptist, where there's no more droughts and bushfires, where there's no more tornadoes, cyclones and tsunamis. There's no more tyrants, no more Pinochets, Saddam Husseins, no more Hitlers, no more Stalins, no more Pol Pots, no more generation, generational elitism. We will all be young. Who is worthy to unseal the book? Will a cherubim do it? Will a seraphim do it? Or maybe Gabriel can do it because he's head of the host soldiers fell as dead men at the tomb of of jesus when gabriel showed up but he can't do it what about a holy man what about noah the record says that he found favor in the eyes of god but he's disqualified because he got drunk what about abraham he's the friend of god but he had trouble telling the truth he's disqualified What about Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived? God gave him a super dose of wisdom. He started well, but he messed up big time. He couldn't do it. Disqualified. He showed that too much is not enough. Samson was physically mightily, but morally weak, so he's disqualified. What about Moses? He's not worthy. He had emotional overload on the borders of Canaan. He blew a fuse. He's disqualified. The text goes on to say in verse 5, and one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and and its seven seals. In verse 6, then I saw the lamb looking as if it had been slain or as another version says with the marks of slaughter but he's standing he's no longer slaughtered he's standing in the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders etc put away your kleenex john don't weep anymore the one the worthy one has been found He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he's not only the lion, he's the lamb. And he's not a lion, but he's the lion for strength. He's divine, he's the creator, he's the tree maker, he's the mango maker, he's the watermelon maker, he's the monkey maker, and he manufactures oceans. He's also a lamb. It's interesting because the word here for lamb is not the regular word that's used in Scripture. It's the pet lamb and it's still bleeding. It has the marks of slaughter. It's a lamb, fragile, transitory. And he belongs to David's family. He belongs to our family. Because the one who is worthy to open has to belong to the human family. The infinite became an infant. The one who holds the world in his hands was held in the arms of a teenage peasant girl. The one who gives us our daily food, who gives us succor and sustenance, was fed at the breast of a teenage girl. The one who makes us holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. We are brothers. Hebrews 2 says, A body thou hast prepared me. The word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. The eternal one, The eternal one was subject to time. The creator became a creature. He's the seed of Abraham, not the nature of angels. He came and became one of us. Beyond space, the light years of space are but milliseconds to him. Yet he was confined to a womb, the womb of a teenage peasant girl. The one who sees beyond the ends of the universe lays blind, sightless, confined by the limits of human conception. The one whose ear hears the myriad melodious sounds of vast creation. He who hears the heartbeat of all creation cannot hear his own as he lay helpless in a teenage womb. The one who experiences the unnumbered sensations of creation, of touch and smell and taste, Without them is as he, as he, he lay emotionless, a helpless embryo. The creator becomes a creature. The sustainer needs sustaining. The gen- genetic engineer becomes a genetic participant. The laws of human heredity that he made he is now made subject to them. Given an inheritance, not like the pre-fall Adam, the father of the race, but he received a nature after the sons of Adam had messed it up. Our Redeemer seemed uh, re- received a human nature impacted and weakened by 4,000 years of messing up and rebellion. Absolute, absolute... Power surrendered to the helplessness of a babe in a manger. Omnipotence became a fragile baby. Absolute wisdom surrendered to the innocence of a child. Jesus did it all for us. just have to check my notes here, sorry. Tired and weary and hungry, Jesus knew all about our lot. He belongs to our family. He's our next of kin. He can open the book and unseal the book. He came personally to the crash site. He's the God-man, not half God and half man, but truly God and truly man. He's the only one who knew the heart of the Father, only one who could reveal the magnitude of God's law, the mystery of redemption, the mystery of redemption, God with us. Our Redeemer, the one who loves us. The record says that he had the marks of slaughter, but he's standing, he conquered death. His death was the death of death. Shot down, midnight reconnaissance in enemy territory. They incarcerated him in the worst prison camp of the enemy. They literally squeezed the life out of him. Sunday morning, three days later, The angel Gabriel came racing down the corridors of space. We need you in glory. And Jesus came forth and pronounced, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though dead, yet shall he live. And there's music, there's dance, there's dancing. There's music, there's praise. You'll notice what it says in verses 9 to 13 of Revelation 5. I'm reading. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men to God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they shall reign on earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and a loud voice they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits upon the throne to the lamb be praise and honor. He alone, the one who is worthy, can reveal the Father's heart of love. Holy love that is principled, not the sentimental, namby-pamby, mundane variety. Beware, beloved, of sentimentalising God's love. One of the worst Christian heresies is to say God is love. Unless we define that love as holy love, a God too, too kind to see sin and too fond to deal with it is not a holy God. And if the power behind it is not holy, he cannot be trusted. To speak in mellow tones about a God who embraces all and accepts everything and demands nothing is wrong. is not revealing the Father's heart. God's love involves costly action. And to hand out a continual flow of no-cost forgiveness on our part robs man of dignity. It trivializes him. I quote, to assure people that they accept it without any reference to the quality of their lives is to confirm the worst of their fears, that what they do does not finally matter even to God, for it takes, as the song says, everything to serve the Lord. God's love is expensive and extravagant, and the response on the part of his followers, his children, is the response of Mary Magdalene with an expensive gift the angels are singing they sang at bethlehem gabriel said fear not for behold i bring to you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people for unto us is born this day in the city of david a savior gabriel had checked out to see whether indeed israel was ready nobody ready in the palace nobody ready in the temple maybe I'll go to Bethlehem. And there he found shepherds on the hills of Bethlehem. Shepherds, not the trusted people, but these could be trusted. They were studying and looking for Jesus. Gabriel beckoned the heavenly choir. No choir ready in Jerusalem. Gabriel brought his own choir and the music rolled round the hills of Bethlehem. Joy and glory flooded the plain lit up the plain as brilliant as the noonday sun, earth is hushed, heaven stoops to listen as they sing glory to God in the highest, peace on earth good will toward men." and then when Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday that triumphal procession which was made up of people who'd been blessed by his ministry, blind who could now see, dumb who could now talk, crippled who could now walk widows and orphans and lepers who had been cleansed and people who had been taken from the jaws of death the donkey on which Jesus rode was led by Lazarus who had been raised from the dead and they sang and they praised Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna to the highest The Pharisees were disturbed and they said stop the noise and the response on the part of Jesus was I tell you if they hold their peace the stones will cry out. At Jesus ascension there was praise. All heaven was waiting to welcome the heavenly host with shouts and acclamations of praise that attend the angels as they take Jesus back to glory. Escorting angels give the challenge, Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors. The waiting sentinels respond, Who is the King of Glory? Not because they do not know, but because they want to hear praise. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, raise the doorposts high that the King may come in. Lift up your heads, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. Who is this King of Glory? angels never weary of hearing his name exalted. The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. The weeping is over. There's music, there's praise, there's multitudes singing. Heaven swells to a crescendo that threatens to burst the very walls of heaven. So compelling is the praise, as we read in verse 13, that all creatures join in, all creatures from every corner of the universe every creature wet and dry bathed in light or hid in darkness every creature covered with scales or clothed with fur or fins or feathers every creature running, crawling, walking flying and swimming what about us? what about us as we face a new year? we have sufficient reason to praise him it calls for every power of our being to praise him in word and in deed if I don't praise him The rocks will cry out. If I am silent, things animate and inanimate will acquire speech and sing his praises. If I am silent, the hills and the valleys will clap their hands and the trees witness to his creative power. Sun, moon and stars will become giant communication satellites, communicating and broadcasting his praise. If the church is mute, he will give the winds a mighty voice. Because the Lord's name is worthy to be praised from sunrise to sunset. Show forth the praises of one who has called us from darkness into his marvellous light. And in the words of amazing grace, the last verse. When we've been here 10,000 years bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. Make 2020 a year overflowing with praise.